Hey entrepreneurs and website owners, if you're ready to take your online presence to the next level, you need a reliable web host. And that's where Hostgator comes in. Hostgator is your one-stop solution for easy, affordable, and powerful web hosting. Whether you're launching a blog, an online store, or anything in between, Hostgator's got you covered. Don't miss out on creating the website you've always wanted. Visit milwaukeemafia.com slash Hostgator today and let your online journey begin. You're listening to Milwaukee Mafia, your podcast dose of Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. Did you like my long drawn out introduction? I felt like that was way longer than it normally is. Is it? I don't know. Oh. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> so, we're here in the middle of the afternoon, which is something we never do. Yeah, so I'm only like three quarters <laughs> awake today. So, he's going to be mumbling and talking no, really I'll be, slowly. I'll, I'll be fine, but I haven't had my coffee yet today. Uh, yeah, so we're here with uh, Milwaukee Mafia. And uh, so, I don't know if you remember last time or not, but um, we were kind of leading into Frank Balistrieri's Tax case. Yes. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Wasn't quite the right timeline, huh? <laughs> no, so the, it'll, we'll get there. I checked the timeline and there's a couple things we're going to do first because if I put it in now, then I have to go farther ahead. It's easier to do it later and then kind of backtrack because it is stretched out so long. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not quite yet. Okay. Um, and in fact, we're going to abandon the timeline completely this week. <laughs> wow. Because uh, since last time, since last time we sat down, I got a message from a guy and he was like, hey, uh, you got this thing on your website about this murder that happened and that was my grandfather. Do you have any more information about that? And I thought, well... You know, no, but it's a good opportunity to kind of take a peek. So I went back, I polished up what I had, um, I sent out some emails to uh, a sheriff's department, a coroner's office, um, seeing what I could get. So we're totally, we're totally going off the path today, and we're going to go to a 1932. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So you just kind of skipped right over this story prior to, yeah. to this, huh? Yeah. Well, see, the thing of it is, is this is more of a Kenosha story. Oh, that's okay. that's why we skipped it because on this podcast we didn't do anything with Kenosha or Madison or any of that. We just completely ignored that, like it doesn't exist. But we're gonna we're gonna actually go back and do a little bit of Kenosha today. So I'm I'm curious because did this person tell you how they stumbled upon this? Where did they just Google their grandfather's name and your website came up, or were they literally like sitting and perusing the FBI files on your website? No, I don't think I don't think it was like that. They didn't tell me, but my guess is it was more the Google search. search yeah, it. yeah. So um, specifically, they were interested in the fact that I said that there were photos taken, which I don't have those photos. But that was what the newspaper article said, was that the photos were taken. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably don't exist anymore because I will tell you, um, the sheriff's department was very helpful. But ultimately, they determined that that file is very, very destroyed. 
So, so <laughs> they tried. They, they tried. tried, but they're like, they yeah, tried. it's not here. <laughs> they tried, but I, and and I knew that going in that that was kind of a long shot because it's this is ninety years ago. This mm-hmm. is a really old case, so they have no reason to hang on to that. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you want to want to get into it? Yeah, go for it, man. Uh, okay, so we're gonna talk about a little bit about a guy named Victor Dominic. Okay, and Victor Dominic. Uh, is actually his birth name is Vito Damiani, but he went by Victor Dominic because that sounds more American, I guess. Uh, he's kind of a he's kind of a Racine Kenosha area guy. We're gonna jump ahead from his being born up to 1932. <laughs> okay. We don't care about him being born. Before you jump ahead, I, I'm just curious. Now, we, I think we discussed this on a previous podcast, but I want to clarify the Racine and Kenosha thing. They were pretty separate from Milwaukee, right? Yes. So they, there's not like a ton of overlap with... We're, with, seeing, we're seeing a little bit Kenosha pretty much not at all. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What about between Kenosha and Racine? Because that seems like there would be a lot of overlap, but were they Between the two of them? Yeah. Yeah. See, that's kind of the weird thing is like there is some overlap between Milwaukee and Racine and there is some overlap between Racine and Kenosha. But like Milwaukee and Kenosha, nothing. You, yeah, you pretty much aren't going to find a story there. It's hmm. just that is interesting. It is. It's it's kind of strange, and I I don't entirely understand it, but that seems to be the case. The point being is is that you are not going to recognize any of the names probably that you hear in this story, correct? Because there's just no overlap. Correct. So the people in this story will come up dozens of times in the Kenosha story. But we didn't do the Kenosha story, story, so, so. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so 1932, we've got Robert A. Wilson, who is a realtor, a real estate man. He drives from Kenosha to Madison to Lodi with former roommate Frank Tilius, and he was met at land in Lodi with three other people on August 24th, 1932. Wilson met with the men on schedule who claimed they were looking for farmland where they wanted to build a still for cooking alcohol. And is this in Prohibition times? This is like the very tail end. Okay, so they could say that, but at this point, because nobody was enforcing it anyways. Pretty much, yeah. He brought them on the farms of uh, Ener Larson, Charles Knudsen, who were the neighboring farmers. He said, hey, just so you guys know, these... These men might be your future neighbors. Uh, the men ate a melon from Knudsen's field. They said, mm, that's a very good melon. This is good farmland. <laughs> Before the day was out, Wilson was strangled with gauze or cheesecloth and forced to sign two notes with a value of $40,000. So he signed over, I don't know exactly what a note is, but, you know, like a, a check, basically. Uh, Wilson was then hit in the head with a club and his face was pushed into the sandy soil. His body was dumped on his own property. Following his murder, the men drove back in two vehicles, Wilson's vehicle and also, allegedly, in William Cavelli's vehicle. And William Cavelli, known as Red Cavelli, was basically the equivalent of the mob boss in Kenosha. I don't know what they called that. I don't think they call it mob boss, but he was their version of that. Right. Yeah. So was the Kenosha mob just kind of not really recognized as a mob per se? Yeah, so the thing is, in Milwaukee, because Milwaukee was largely Sicilian, they were mafia. Mm -hmm. 
And in Kenosha, they were Calabrian, which is like southern Italy, but not the island of Sicily. And so they had very similar criminal organization, but not strictly speaking a mafia. So I'm not really familiar with the terminology that they would use for that. For our purposes, they're basically the same thing. I'm just curious, this mafia, the term mafia, is that an Italian term? It's a Sicilian term originally. Okay, yeah. so so basically it's the same thing, but they probably just had a different term than mafia for right. it in their whatever area of Italy right. or whatever. Right, Okay, follow. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what all, you know, like way, way back in the very like first or second episode of this podcast, you know, we talked about like the, the structure and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the structure is in other parts of Italy, um, but I assume they're they're relatively it's similar. Similar, yeah. yeah. Okay. A few days later, the neighbor, Alfred Larson, was tending to his cows around dusk. There was no fence between his farm and Wilson's property, so the cows sometimes just would graze freely. One cow was on the Wilson land, and Larson was drawn over by the cow's bell, where he found an unusual mound of earth surrounded by trees with what looked like a man's shoulder coming out of the dirt. Early the next morning, he returned, because it was dusk, you know, it was dark. Early the next morning, he returned, and, yep, they saw a partially decomposed man in the sand. They called the sheriff, and the sheriff brought along the district attorney. And, of course, we know from the story that it's Robert Wilson. His face was too decomposed to be identified. After just being there, like, about a week. Uh, So he was identified by the belt buckle that he wore, which had a W on it. So we knew it was Wilson because he had a Wilson belt buckle. buckle Yeah. He wasn't allowed to sell a a Wilson belt buckle to anybody else. Right, right, right. (laughs) A doctor was called. uh, I presume this doctor is like the coroner. I mean, a doctor's not going to do much for this guy. And photographs were taken, as I said, uh, as the body was unearthed. As far as I know, those photos are probably long gone. Uh, The coroner declared the death came not from the hits on the head, but from suffocating in the ground. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how he determined this, but apparently his conclusion was that he was probably unconscious when he was pushed into the ground and then ended up suffocating. He was essentially buried alive. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Pretty rough. Somehow, authorities were able to get some identities of who the suspects were, and they rounded up. Frank Tilius, Red Cavelli, Frank Infacino, and Frank Cosentino um, arrested them, brought them by train to the Portage Jail, Portage the city, which is like in Columbia County, mm-hmm. for people who don't know the geography here. Uh, this was due in part to Tilius trying to cash those forged notes, which despite being dated a couple of years prior, were found to have been freshly signed, uh, which seems suspicious. Tilly said his only role in the plot was to cash the notes. He didn't kill anybody, but the police believe that he was well aware of the intent to kill Wilson, whether he personally did so or not. Police found over $800 in Covelli's pockets, as well as receipts for his stepdaughter's wedding, showing the purchase of a new car, and rental agreements for a Chicago orchestra worth $1,500 and the largest reception hall in Kenosha, which, again, this is the 1930s, $1,500 for a wedding band. <laughs> Holy crap. 
Well, and just the fact that, didn't you say he had $800 in his pocket? Yeah. I mean, that would probably be, what, carrying around $3,000 in your pocket yeah. right now? Yeah, it's, it would be quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had also sent his two sons to a royal academy in Italy. Um, and police were very curious how a man whose day job was running a bakery was able to afford such luxury. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Frank Tilius... Uh, was a divorced Lithuanian immigrant. He, <laughs> sorry, Frank Tilius was a divorced Lithuanian immigrant. Uh, his ex-wife Mary was able to get a divorce after saying he tried to drown her in a lake while they were fishing. So he's not necessarily a nice guy either. <laughs> either. <laughs> yeah, he actually confesses and he names the other guys. Yep, he's like they were they were part of the plot. So he's then separated from the others. He's taken out of Portage and he's brought to Wisconsin Dells, the water park capital of the, the world. world. <laughs> and I'm sure it was at this time too, right? No, it was <laughs> it was not the water park capital of the world yet. But he's brought to a separate jail so he doesn't have to be in jail with these other guys who he just ratted out. <laughs> he says, Ah, I'm glad you separated me. Um Tilius tells the sheriff, They said they would crack my head with handcuffs. They told me they'd kill me. Like they finished Robert Wilson in the woods. I don't know if this is actually what he said, but that's what the paper says he said. The plan of separating him from the others did not work. That night, Tilius committed suicide well, <laughs> in Wisconsin Dells Jail. Well, I mean, that one's kind of out of their control. Yeah, to yeah. To be fair. Yeah. He hung his neck by his belt and tied his hands behind his back with a handkerchief and was found dangling around four in the morning by the jail guard. Uh, the jail guard, to his credit, did make rounds every 40 minutes, um, but apparently, you know, you just wait for him to go by, and then <laughs> you got 40 minutes. So uh, they weren't able to catch him in time. Hearing of Tilius's death, Red Covelli told the press, that's a good thing. Strange, strange comment, but he <laughs> says, that's a good thing. Uh, Frank Cosentino told the press, he was crazy anyway. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, police were looking for Victor Dominic of Racine, who I mentioned at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, he was placed under arrest in Sacramento, California. Wow, he really ran, huh? Yeah, he was nowhere around. <laughs> Allegedly, he had fled to Sacramento the day after the murder. He was also there to visit his brother, Thomas Dominic, who was in the Sacramento jail for forging federal notes. <laughs> so apparently forging notes is a thing. Victor Dominic had as his alibi a railroad ticket that he had purchased to travel from Wisconsin to California. The ticket was purchased on August 16th, which was before the murder. Now, police were not so quick to give up. They said, well, it's possible you bought the ticket on August 16th, but maybe you didn't use the ticket until after. I'm not sure how they don't know this, but apparently they just had the purchase date. Hmm. And it's kind of weird that I guess maybe that's just the way train tickets work yeah. there, where you just bought it and you could use it whenever you felt like that, it. I'm guessing because, yeah, they, they weren't able to tell when it was actually used. Mm-hmm. Okay. On September 16th, just in time for Red Covelli's stepdaughter's marriage, he was released along with Frank Cosentino and Frank Inficino. They were released from jail. The district attorney decided that without Frank Tilius, who had committed suicide, There was not enough evidence to hold the men, and the local justice of the peace agreed. None of the neighbors, farmers, whatever, up on the Lodi land had seen these men. 
They had only seen Frank Tilius and Victor Dominic. So no matter what, there's, there was nothing actually connecting these guys to the crime other than Frank Tilius saying they had been there. And that isn't going to do any good if he's not around to testify. The three men returned home to cheering friends and relatives. Infacino was dropped off in Racine, and the other two were paraded in by a caravan of well-wishers and were met by more friends along with Covelli's wife when they reached Covelli's house. So many people wanted to follow Covelli home that a police escort was necessary to handle the traffic. Hundreds of people packed his house, and telegrams had arrived from far away. Louis Grieco ducked out early to work on wedding plans with Covelli's stepdaughter. Louis Grieco was going to be his new son-in-law. Whether this guy was involved in the murder or not, he apparently has a lot of friends. <laughs> Dominic was still, Victor Dominic was still, uh, you know, still wanted, but he was in California, so they had to extradite him. His attorneys said, hey, you know, we're willing to do a lie detector test and, like, show you that he was not... You didn't do it? The district attorney thought this was a good idea. The sheriff said, I don't think that's necessary. A couple of days later, the California governor, Sonny Jim, that's the that's what Someone the governor his name is. Huh? His name is James Rolfe, but he went by Sonny Jim, <laughs> refused to sign the extradition paper, saying that he believed that Dominic was in California at the time of the murder. The district attorney spoke to the press, upset about the disobedience of the sheriff. He said, gosh darn it. I wanted him to take that lie detector test, and the sheriff didn't go for it. And I bet if he would have taken that test, things would have been different. But because he didn't take that test, we had nothing to show for it other than that questionable railroad ticket. So they couldn't extradite him. A few days later, still, Josephine Roth, who is allegedly the girlfriend of Frank Tilius, the suicide mm -hmm. man, she was arrested and held on $2,500 bond for her part in the murder of Robert Wilson. Now, she was not anywhere near the murder, but when she was arrested, she said, I'm completely innocent of this. Um, I wasn't Tilius's girlfriend, like you said. I never lived with him, like you said. Um, since the very beginning of time, women have been blamed for men's problems. She says, just look at Adam and Eve. Everyone's always blaming Eve. <laughs> It's like, why are women always getting the blame? The newspaper, as was normal at the time, uh, noted she was very pretty for a woman who was 38 <laughs> years old. <laughs> you know, even though she was an ancient 38, she, she looked pretty good. Don't know what that has to do with whether she's guilty or not, but thanks, newspaper. <laughs> Oh. She told everybody she didn't want to be held in jail because she had a 15-year-old son and would rather be home with him. Now, what they had accused her of um, was not anything to do with the murder specifically, but she was apparently the one who had forged some of these notes and had gotten them cashed. So after the fact, she was involved, allegedly, with getting this money that they weren't supposed to get out of this guy. So... Uh, she possibly didn't even know he was killed. I have to assume that she would have known, but maybe not. Just out of curiosity, and maybe I missed this, is this the purpose behind this murder, is they wanted these notes? It or seems there, that way. Or because is there something more to this? It's, well, see, it would seem like they were trying to get the land. Okay. But they'd made no effort to get the land. And as well, if you're going to kill somebody for their land, mm -hmm. does it make sense to bury their body on the land? 
Not necessarily. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I'm not a mastermind criminal, but I'd probably pick a different location for I it. I mean, maybe they were going to come back later and move him. I don't know. But, yeah, but all they, all they apparently got out of him was a couple forced signatures to sign over money that, you know, they had no reason to have. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, she went on trial, um, and they called in a handwriting expert, and they said, yep, this is your handwriting on these notes. He said, look at this. Like, I can match this up, even though the dates don't match. You know, like, it's, it's it says it's from two years ago, but the ink is still fresh, so we know that they were written recently. And, you know, long story short, they end up convinced, convincing the jury that she is in fact, guilty of her involvement in forging these notes that got signed. Okay. And but that's all she got charged with is forging signatures, not anything to do with an actual murder. Not the murder specifically. Okay. No. So she ends up getting sentenced to six months in jail. This is very important that okay. she's in jail for the six months. Victor Dominic finally returns to Racine, not because he's extradited, but because he lives in Racine. <laughs> so he eventually does return many months later, um, and they arrest him when he returns because, I mean, they still want him. So they pick him up. His preliminary hearing was held in December 1932, so like several months later. He was charged with being part of the Wilson murder plot, but he claimed to have an alibi. He's like, again, I was in California. Witnesses said that they saw him with Frank Tilius and Wilson around the time of the murder. So there's a number of people saying, like, you weren't in California. You were here. We saw you. Um, they'd show up, tell the, the witnesses would show up, tell their story. They'd ask Dominic to stand up, and then they would say, yep, that's the guy. So they had people. But the defense attorneys were very good. They had more than 20 affidavits saying Dominic was in California and he was regularly visiting his brother Thomas in the Sacramento jail. Because he was regularly visiting him, he had to sign in repeatedly. So they knew what dates and times he was in and out of the jail. So they actually had dates and times yes. right around the murder that he was there? Yes. I Well, I mean, I guess at this time, you could probably just pay somebody off to get that kind of information. But that seems pretty good. Reasonable that he wasn't in kenosha when at this time yeah right? yeah so so again they talked about the plane or the train ticket not a plane ticket train <laughs> ticket you know they said you know we said it was purchased we don't know when you used it but it definitely seems likely that you know maybe you did use it early because you had the, the train took two to three days to get there so it's like okay if you were there in time to sign in to the jail i guess you had to be there a couple of days earlier all right and after all of this and they also found a hotel register that he had signed while he was there. So, okay. so all these things come together. They said, okay, you know, you have a pretty strong alibi here. And eventually the judge said, I'm not going to end up putting you on trial. I'm going to release you. So after spending about eh, two to three weeks in the Kenosha jail, uh, he is released and said, you know, go home. home. Go home. You're fine. So ultimately, Josephine Roth is the only one connected to this case that who actually, served any time. I mean, other than the little bit of jail time they got while they were waiting for trials, she's the only one who actually got, got convicted anything. of anything. Yeah. That is really ridiculous because they, I mean, based on the information that you presented, they had, they knew that these people also had these notes. 
And these notes came from Robert Wilson that these people had notes. But, but they didn't have the notes. They just had the cash. Yeah, they didn't. They had the cash and her signature was on all the notes. Yeah. Almost kind of makes you think, like, was she a pawn in this? Like, they, were they using her? Like, Well, they definitely were. I mean, whether it was, like, mean-spirited or not, I mean, that's definitely the part that she played because she's the only one who's invo- directly involved. Once the notes turn into cash, I mean, can't prove where cash came from. No. So, it's just impossible. And Yeah. So, I mean, personally, I suspect these guys were probably involved. I'm even really, like, I don't know how Victor Dominic would have pulled it off. But, like, it seems like with everybody said that he was the guy they saw, that he would be the guy. But... But that's but that, that's a pretty strong defense he's got there. Yeah, and that's really tough because you know maybe Victor Dominic hung out with these other guys all the time, mm-hmm. so everybody's just like, well, yeah, of course they were together. They were always together, but he they weren't together that day because he was in he was in California. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's got way too much stuff that I mean he couldn't just go out and fake all that. You know, the hotel, right. the bus, the. I mean, if he, if, he di- if he did... He'd if, be very clever. He'd be very clever. Because, I mean, I don't think that's impossible to have somebody sign in under your name at the jail yeah, or at the hotel. that's true. But you would have to plan this all in advance. Advance, yeah. Being like, just in case they check up on me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> which, you know, so it's not... I don't think it's impossible that it was him. Um, but it is a pretty strong defense there. So, yeah, all these guys got away with it. And, and again, like I said, the, the grandson or great-grandson of, of Robert Wilson shot me an email. And he just wanted to kind of know more. And uh, understandably so, because it's got to be frustrating when your grandfather is murdered and basically nothing was done about it. Nothing was done about it. And, I mean, based on what I've heard... There's not a real clear motive no. to, to to committing the murder because if it was just all about these notes, man, just go steal the notes, you know, or... Right. I mean, that's that appears to be the case, is that they knew that he had money, he had land, and they wanted his money. But yeah, the, I, I agree with you. There's got to be an easier way to go about getting money. Yeah. It seems like a very not well thought out crime yeah. by the criminals, which... right. You know, and but they pulled it off. They pulled it off, and which also leads you to talk about like this Victor Dominic, right? Was that yeah his name? Yeah. I mean, if he was this unclever about pulling off a crime, there's no way he planted all these different things to protect himself from it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because (laughs) because he's just not that smart. So well, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Anyway, yeah, so I wanted to throw that out there. Um, like I said, it's not anywhere in our timeline, but because it came up, so I was kind of like looking into it this last week. I was like, yeah, I may as well use that for the show. But yeah, these guys, if you're interested in the Kenosha stuff, I mean, Red Cavelli, regular, like all the time shows up, and his son will actually show up in our timeline. So he'll come back. Frank Cosentino shows up, not in ours, but Kenosha regular, Frank Infacino. Uh Victor Dominic shows up, in Kenosha a little bit after this because he ends up getting uh, caught for like a big bootlegging conspiracy, which is you know, pretty normal. And then he, he flees. He leaves the area after that. 
And Robert Wilson is no in no way attached to any of these this stuff. He was just a he random was, he was vi- just a, a random victim. In, just a random victim. Yeah, like he is as far as I know, completely honest. You know, member of the community, good businessman, and he just was dealing with the wrong guys. Nice. Interesting. So this brings up a, a question, and maybe we've I've asked this question on this podcast before. So sure. But, but since you just stemmed off into a Kenosha um, story, yeah, is there a possibility of us doing like a four-part series on Kenosha, four-part series on Racine, and different mafias within Wisconsin at some point in time? We could. Or I'm not opposed to that. that yeah. I think that would be a good idea, because I think we should give attention to every yeah. thing. Yeah. And if they're... They don't have their own dedicated podcast. This is probably the best podcast for them to be on. Sure. Yeah. If people are interested in the Madison stuff, I mean, I do have a book called Murder Capital, uh, which you can check out. Selfless plug, right? Yeah, selfless plug. But you can you can check that out, and that would cover basically you know the vast majority of the stuff that we would talk about on here. Um, I did. I've never written on Kenosha other than what's on the website. So th- there is no book for that. And people have asked if there's ever going to be a book. Eh, I don't know. Maybe. It's it's tough. It's one of those things where, like, I want to go far enough back in history, you know, as we've talked about many times, because I like to avoid a direct connection to living people. But if you go too far back, then you run into the problem, like I had here, where, where the police record is destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> so you want that happy medium where it's old enough that they'll give you the record, but not so old that they threw it away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the challenges of being a true crime yeah, researcher. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it, well, and the problem is, I mean, if it's a crime that's actually been solved, like most murders, I mean, then the record's public. So it can be like five years old and it's fine. But unfortunately, yeah, with mob stuff, they're almost never solved. So they remain technically open cases forever. You know, I I have something to talk about, and which is probably completely not relevant for this podcast. But it would, might be interesting to people that listen to this podcast, since we are a true crime podcast. Yeah. But Gavin, have you ever listened to the podcast Serial? I don't recall. I'm I'm familiar with the story. Well, the guy that is featured in the first season yeah. of serial to anybody who hasn't listened to this podcast it's about a guy that committed a murder when he was in high school got sent to jail and to this day he attests that he did not commit the yeah. murder was it, this guy's name was like victor adnan or something like that saeed adnan saeed adnan i got some, victor on the something brain. like that yeah. okay yeah but, yeah i think but, I, I think i did catch that but he finally just got a new trial in his for the first time in i think 23 years out of prison for for this murder. He's out of prison for 30 days before oh. while the prosecutors can can decide if they're going to try him again for the murder if they're just going to let him go. So I just Okay. I saw that in the news. I thought it was interesting and somebody on this podcast might have listened to that podcast and not did not see that on the news and I Well, I didn't hear about that. So So yeah. There you go. So way off topic but it is way off topic think... but no that's that's big anybody who's into i'm surprised i hadn't heard that because that's a very celebrated case yes so. so i thought that was interesting so not to steal away from the robert wilson story no, but I, no, I just no, no. thought that was very valid to talk about yeah and, definitely and so and maybe we'll t- come touch back on the kenosha scene again because it's possible you know it's and, possible and sorry or maybe to, I can just work it in when uh, when when they start showing up in the Milwaukee story. I don't know. We'll see. And I just got to say that 
that unfortunately for what was it the great grandson of Robert I think Wilson? he's a great grandson yeah yeah it's I'm sure that this this history is probably not is a lot less than he wanted to hear about it but at least he he now knows at least some of the yeah. story and just and I'm still waiting to hear back from the coroner but my guess is even if they do have something it's not going to add very a lot. much yeah. to it so I just think it's really tragic that and I almost hope they're wrong in that he did die, just die from being hit on the head. Oh, because, yeah. Because, like, I can't I, – can you envision just being buried alive, how terrible that would that's be? Pretty, I don't know, though. That's terrible. I mean, and I don't know – I don't know how accurate that is. If, yeah. If he's, if he's partially decomposed, I'm not sure how you would determine – not that I know. I mean, I don't do autopsies, but well, I feel and, like it's hard to really pinpoint things when you're – only have parts of bodies. And when when it's 1932 and the technology right. they had there, how they would derive that is probably, could very well be extremely inaccurate. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so. Could be. So, but it was a good story. Yeah. And um, Gavin, do you want to hit him with contact info so we, we start doing that again? Yeah, sure. You can uh, email milwaukeemafia at gmail.com. You can go to milwaukeemafia.com to check out all the stuff I put up on the website, um, you know, including the actual raw FBI files, if you're into that. And uh, or you can find me on Facebook. It's my least favorite of the three, but it seems to be the one that most people use. Uh, <laughs> so you can message message me on there. Uh, Facebook has a tendency to bury messages to if you, if you send it to like my personal account, like I get it immediately you send it to my author account for whatever reason i don't always get notifications so there's like an automatic thing that responds to people on there but i would find it eventually so. yes there is a certain art to finding your your facebook page notifications yeah. so yeah <laughs> so so it's not gavin ignoring you it's just the yeah. the uh shortcomings of the facebook yeah i don't platform. do it on, i don't do it on purpose it's just for whatever reason they if you ever run a page it's the, just, the setup actually makes less sense now than it used to. <laughs> like every time they redo it, it gets worse. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. Well, as always, thank you for tuning in. And keep in mind that we do have a Patreon that you can find over at MilwaukeeMafia.com. Click the Patreon link. And uh, as always, you can also help us by leaving a review on your favorite podcast player. And we will be back in one week with Patreon and in two weeks with a regular episode. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to the Milwaukee Mafia podcast. Join us next time for another look back at Wisconsin Mafia and true crime history.